Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Crossover Podcast. I'm Rohan Nakhani, joined today by not one but two Sports Illustrated senior writers, New York Times bestselling author of the book Blood in the Garden, Chris Herring, and longtime Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Mannix. Guys, it's been an offseason that I think now is going to be defined by Damian Lillard as we kind of just wait around and see what's going to happen with Dame, that's really, I think, the big storyline in the NBA at the moment. Um, so it's only right to start there. Uh, I'd say the latest news this week regarding Dame being his agent, Aaron Goodwin essentially going around telling teams Dame wants to be in Miami, uh, period. We're now starting to get these reports. Would Dame report uh, if he goes to another team? Are other teams going to step up and make big offers? Mannix, I'll start with you. I think for the most part, the way Dame's agents handled this is par for the course in terms of these superstar trade requests. But what do you think of the efforts Dame is making to go to Miami? And do you really think it is only Miami or bust for him? Well, Aaron Goodwin is doing his job in this situation. He's doing 
the he's doing what his client wants, and his client wants to play for the Miami Heat. So uh, he's been pretty brazen about it. I'm not sure that I would be as public as Aaron Goodwin has been about all this, but he's trying to accomplish what his client wants to have accomplished. Now, the back half of that question is, would Damian Lillard not report, or would Damian Lillard mope, or would he be the unhappy player that Aaron Goodwin is spinning would be the case uh, if Lillard was traded? That I'm less certain about. Uh, I've read some of the reporting about you know how Lillard wouldn't show and he'd be disgruntled. Th- that just doesn't line up with everything I know about Damian Lillard. I mean, Damian Lillard is, you know, he's the ultimate competitor. Like he, he's the kind of guy that wherever he's playing, he's going to try to win games. And, and I, I just can't envision a scenario where Lillard is, you know, operating like James Harden, where he's effectively throwing up a white flag or, you know, doing what Kyrie Irving did in Brooklyn and saying, get me out of here or else it's it's going to go bad. Especially if he's traded to a contender. I mean, if Lillard is traded to Philadelphia where he's partnered with Joel Embiid, he's going to be fine. If he's traded to, to Boston and is partnered with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, he's going to be fine. I mean, I have no doubt, and I've reported this along with everybody else, that, that Miami is Damian Lillard's preferred destination. But... The idea that he, you know, would, you know, would would not report or, you know, sabotage a team season that that just isn't the Damian Lillard that that I've covered over the years, and it's not the not the kind of player I think he would be. So, you know, I, we can get into what the Blazers are doing with all this and 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 that end of it, but as far as Lillard goes, uh, I think he and his agent are do everything they can to push a deal to Miami, but I, I don't. If if it goes a different direction, I have I don't believe Damian Lillard would, you know, blow up his new situation uh, just to be there. Herring, I want to go to you. I got some texts from a friend this week who said you were just killing the heat uh, on the Monday pod. So now I, you know I've been tasked to hold your feet to the fire a little bit, as you know from the text I was sending you this week. But Herring, here's here's a question I have for you because. To Manix's point, I also agree. I have a hard time believing that if Damian Lillard is traded to a good team, he's going to just not show up to practice, not report. He's always been the kind of player that wants to play, etc. My question is, let's say the Heat are able to offer up to three unprotected first-round picks. You know, maybe they're even somehow able to get a fourth by sending Tyler Hero to a third team. I know you guys ran through some other options other than Miami on the Monday pod. But I guess my question for you, Herring, is what is a hypothetical better trade for the Blazers? Like, well, what are, what team should they engage with um, that you think they could get a better return than they might get from Miami, which also, you know, has an incentive to go out and do this and maybe pay more than other teams are willing to pay? You know, is is it Tyrese Maxey? Is he, is he that valuable? Like, what is what is the realistic package you see that could beat an offer that would include three or four unprotected first. I mean, me, me personally. Yeah. I, I think it's just easier to, it's, it's a little bit easier for me to theorize around Maxi, who I think if mm-hmm. he was an all-star and 
I mean, maybe all NBA is is a bridge too far for like next year, but down the line, I mean, I think the craziest thing is that Maxie's 22. So mm-hmm. it's, I mean, that is someone that you can plug into that core. Now, granted, it would be a pretty small core of guys that you've got, and you probably need to offload someone like Simons at that point if you're going to be that small. But whatever, you you have, I for me, especially given that we don't know what Miami's picks are going to look like and all sorts of other stuff, I would rather have a, a bona fide guy and then whatever picks come with that, if it's a straight-up deal, if it is something where you're trying to get a third team involved beyond just Philly. It's just weird for me, and I can't remember too many situations off the top of my head where we're watching someone of Lillard's stature move on to another team when the best player asset that a team was even throwing out there was a guy that the other team didn't want. I I really can't think of many of those. So from that standpoint, yeah, Philly makes more sense just because their headliner makes more sense. And I think that if another team is desperate enough, which who knows whether they will be, if Dame's agent or if Dame himself is kind of making it more difficult for teams to want to go all in here. But, you know, I to me, it wouldn't be that surprising if some team stood up and said, let's do this because um, I Chris is absolutely right. Dame, it, this would be a, a, a dog changing its spots at this point in his career. Dame has been maybe the most professional guy in the league. Uh, I mean, I think people would put Steph up there too as far as the way he's dealt with his team. Uh, I don't remember Dame throwing a mouth guard into the stands or anything like that. But <laughs> just as far as the, the management of the team, given his stature relative to everybody else, He's generally said all the right things. He's been all in up until this very point for the most part. Uh, so the idea that all of a sudden going to a team that is better than the one he just left is going to rile him to where he doesn't want to play, I mean, make it make sense to me. I, I understand that he wants to go where he wants to go, but he, it's, it's not that he's in the last year of a deal here, uh, which that was Kawhi's situation, and a team still went in on that and won a championship. Uh, this is Lillard having a long runway here. Uh, coming off the best season of his career, arguably, I absolutely think that it could be Philly. I think that Brooklyn, if they really wanted to get serious about it, could make an offer like that. Um, you know, we, we'd have to see who else would get involved. But I, I mean, I think that there are, it's within the realm of possibility that the other team that we talked about a little bit, it would certainly not be from a pick standpoint because they just don't have them to deal. But another team that would have an interesting asset if they so chose to go in that direction would be Minnesota from the standpoint of Carl Anthony Towns, who I think that for all the the youth and talent that Portland is going to have in the next few weeks, months, uh, Towns would give you a big instead of a, a small or another wing for what we've talked about as kind of a smallish backcourt if they get someone like Maxi. Uh, you plug uh, Damian Lillard into Minnesota, and yeah, he might not want to live in Minnesota relative to Miami or even Philly, but that is a team that all of a sudden with Anthony Edwards with a, a backstop like Rudy Gobert defensively. And depending on who they don't have to deal, if it's McDaniels on the wing defensively, Nas Reed they just brought back, there's talent there. There's certainly talent there, and that's a team that already has kind of cast the first stone from an all-in standpoint, and this would be this would be sensible from the standpoint of saying, okay, we saw enough of last year to realize it probably won't work, but this would be a way to transition the team differently and put it on a much faster timeline. Um, just add, I, let me just add a couple things to, to that. Uh, one, I don't know why Joe Cronin is meeting with Lillard's agent. I, I don't know what 
Like, this is now, whether we like it or not, this has become adversarial. Like, there's there's no real going back for Damian Lillard and Portland. So if you're Joe Cronin, you can't really care what Lillard wants out of his, his next team or what Lillard wants in a trade. Your only objective is to get the best possible package back in return for, uh, you know, for Lillard, that, that's got to be it. Like, if you have to trade him to Siberia, that's that's kind of the way it goes, right? He wants to be traded. He's got four years left in his contract. You have an opportunity now to reshape your roster with the kind of young assets that Oklahoma City used to reshape its roster, that Brooklyn used to make deals uh, for the Kevin Durant swap. Like, you've got a chance here to do it. I I don't really uh, the statement from from Aaron Goodwin about how. You know, they, he hopes that Joe and Miami Heat officials are going to get together at Summer League and, and talk about like. Obviously, Miami doesn't have what Portland wants. That's that if they did, this deal would be done already. Uh, so if you're Joe Cronin, you've got to just remain locked in on what's important to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I think the league has to look at this as well. This is becoming a big problem for them, you know, where you have players signing long-term contracts and then immediately going, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, Kevin Durant didn't play a single minute for the Nets on his new deal before he asked out of of Brooklyn. Uh, I know Bradley Beal's a little bit different. He had a no-trade clause, but, you know, and it wasn't him necessarily pushing for the deal. It was new owner or new management in Washington, but, you know, he gets a $250 million deal, and he's, you know, navigating where he's going to be traded uh, a year later. Now you have, you know, Damian Lillard, and, and I'm a huge Lillard guy, but, you know, Lillard... If he wanted control of his future, he didn't have to sign that contract extension. He could have been out of his contract in 2024 with a lot of room to to pick and choose his team. He didn't want it because he's going to be guaranteed $120 million plus on the back end of that deal. So I just think it's it's just a tough look for the NBA to have guys sign these contracts and then after barely playing a minute on them, you know, decide they don't want to be with that team anymore and then dictating where they want to go. Uh, and, and doing stuff like this. I just think that's something that is, has now graduated to a level where Adam Silver needs to to publicly weigh in on and, and do something about because it's getting it's getting pretty crazy out there. Lillard, Lillard kind of is, the to, in a way, the straw that broke the camel's back because he does have four years left in his contract, and he is not... There's not just reporting that he only wants to be in one place. There's his agent out there saying specifically he only wants to go to Miami. So... I just think it's 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 a diff, it's a bad look for the NBA to have stuff like this happening. Um, yeah. All right. So a lot that I want to touch on. First, I I do wonder if Lillard's contract works for the Blazers or against them a tiny bit, only because as Manic said, those last two years when I think he's going to be thirty five and thirty six at least in the years of those deal, are there do smaller market teams have the appetite? You know, would a Minnesota have the appetite to pay that money? when you have the Gobert contract and an Anthony Edwards extension coming up and you have the second apron, right? So I think that it makes it difficult for a lot of teams. That's why if you're a team like, you know, Utah or Minnesota, I, why I think it's not as simple, even Boston, who's been talked about and we can compare Boston's package to Miami's package without Jalen Brown. I think they're, I, I don't know that Boston's necessarily better. Are they going to want to be a second tax apron team? We've seen some of their moves in free agency, Suggest they would not. As, ter- as far as Lillard's trade request goes, I- I'm still on a case by case basis with a lot of these. Like you brought up Bradley Beal, 
we were all calling for the Wizards to trade Bradley Beal for a long time. Their own fans wanted them to trade Bradley Beal by this point. The mistake they made was giving them a no-trade clause that we all criticized at the time. Kevin Durant, listen, no defense there. That entire net situation was ridiculous from start to finish. I mean, Damian Lillard, I think, is in a similar position where a lot of people, including some Blazers fans, were like ready for him to move on somewhere else, right? Um, I think people just don't really like the way he's handled it, but a lot of people have been asking for him to be on a different team for a long time. Manix, I want to ask you, because... You know, Woj reported that he the Heat's offer is quote unquote still in the lead, but the Blazers are kind of taking their time seeing who can top it. Is there a team that you think realistically beats it? Because, you know, Herring brought up Towns. Do, do the Wolves want to put Dane with Anthony Edwards? Like I said, are they ready to maybe go into the, the second apron? I think there are a lot of teams that at first blush make sense, but when you kind of dive deeper into it, it becomes difficult for a lot of reasons. Like, who are the, who is the team that realistically you think can put together an offer uh better than Miami's there are a lot of teams that could put together offers better than Miami um I'll name three and they're all in the northeast uh, okay. Philadelphia if they put Tyrese Maxey in the deal uh they could best probably any offer from Miami they could also you know uh plus up that offer if they get draft capital back for James Harden so I think the Sixers have an opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Boston, as I mentioned, has an opening. The Celtics, and they don't necessarily have to do it by trading Jalen Brown. I and I don't. They wouldn't trade Jalen Brown in a deal like that. So let's let's they. talk about that because I I'm I saw is it Brogdon and Robert Williams like the the Celtics cannot that get doesn't a- work. It it have to be it'd be Derek White would have to be in it. Derek White's so, got eighteen million on his contract. He'd have to be included in it. So now we're talking the Celtics are making a major adjustment to their team, which I, I don't I'm not saying they wouldn't be better, but Derek White is on one of the best contracts in the NBA. And I think part of the reason you move on from Marcus Smart is because you have Derek White there as a two way player. Do you think Boston A would be willing to pay into the second apron for Dame and B can is that Derek White center trade better than one that has more draft capital from Miami? Because I think those are comparable. What? Well, well, you also have to consider the draft capital in Boston, too. I mean, the Celtics have uh, a Warriors pick next year, plus all their draft capital moving forward. They have more draft assets than than the, than the Heat do. So they, they, they can make a player offer and a draft pick offer. I think the, the, what they don't have, I mean, whatever you think of Tyler Hero, he's a good player. He's a former sixth man of the year. Um you know, more offensive oriented, and certainly his stock has dipped because Miami was really successful without him in in the playoffs this past year. But he's still a very good player. I don't think the Celtics have a guy like that they could throw in. Robert Williams is still young. You know, he's one of the best defensive bigs in the NBA. Uh, you you could do that. Peyton Pritchard, I think, has value as a young player. Uh, and, and the Celtics could throw a ton of draft picks. You know, at at Portland as well. The 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 white thing is where it it gets difficult because Derek White is valuable to them. In an ideal world, they wouldn't give up Derek White in a trade like that. But to make the money work, you you really would have to in that situation. So uh, would they spend into the second apron? If you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said yes, but they just made a financial move with Grant Williams where they, you know, one of the reasons they didn't pay him was because they would be in the second apron if they had given Grant Williams that four-year, $54 million contract that Dallas was willing to give. So I think there are some financial concerns in Boston, but I, I don't know. 
push comes to shove, if they have an opportunity and they, they believe Lillard would want to be there, I think they'd do it. I think they would do it. I, I just think that's... You look at the way they've come up short in recent years. Yeah, you'd lose a lot defensively, and you've already lost a lot defensively with Marcus Smart going out, with Grant Williams going out. But you know they've come up short because they haven't been able to generate offense. You know, in the finals they came up short because Jason Tatum was just exhausted a year and a half ago. In the conference finals this past year, you know Tatum gets hurt in Game Seven. They can't come up with enough offense without him. Like Damian Lillard solves that problem. Like, I know he hasn't advanced past the conference finals himself, but I think we'd all agree he's a playoff performer. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's someone yeah, built agreed. for the postseason. So I think that, uh, you know, if, if it came down to it, if it's like Derek White, Robert Williams, draft capital, and that's the 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 crux of the deal, uh, I think they'd do it. I, I, I just think they'd the opportunity to get a guy like that and fit him into your championship window is is really small. I don't disagree. I just think it's 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 interesting to me. Like I I think there's a good argument for why that's a, a worthy package. I just the way people talk about the Heat's offers, like this would be one of the worst trades ever, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that this Boston one is is radically different, especially when you know one of the one of the reasons I think Derek White is a better player than Tyler Hero. I'm not going to argue that, but I think one issue that these teams have with Portland is the one position they're loaded at is guard. They have Scoot, they have Simons, they have Shade and Sharp. So even Derek White, as good of a player he is, as good of a contract as he's on, a little less value to Portland. But you're doing Rowan, you're doing you're doing what the like use the Nets as an example. Like they are now have a surplus of wings there. Like you can never have enough guys that people want, right? So like if this use the Sixers and Tyrese Maxey as an example. I'm not sure Tyrese Maxey fits mm-hmm. in with what Portland is doing. If they're going to keep Anthony Simons, keep Scoot, mm-hmm. and build around those two guys. But if you have Tyrese Maxey and you pay him, uh, somebody's going to want going to want him. You know, in the next yeah, uh, you know, next year. So it's the same thing. Like you know, I, I mean, look. After the Suns acquire Mikael Bridges, like how many teams are offering three, four first round picks to get him? How many teams are going to offer multiple first round picks to get uh, to get someone like Dorian Finney-Smith? Like you, you make the deal for talent now, desirable talent, and then you figure mm-hmm. the rest out later. I don't disagree. I think that's a fair point. I I just look at it as I think Philly and Brooklyn are the real teams that can make Miami sweat here. I think more than any others. I think Maxi would be kind of the best player Portland could acquire in this trade, even considering who they have in the backcourt. Um, and Brooklyn, the thing about Brooklyn for me is, is that are they ready to kind of make an all-in move like that? Because they have some valuable picks that could be coming to them via Phoenix at the back half of this decade. So I'll ask you that, Herring. If you were the Nets, is is Lillard the type of player you go for now, someone in his mid-30s trying to win right now? Or do you try to see out this build a little bit that still has some players on kind of a earlier stage in their career? Uh, I mean, I, I think until, honestly, I think it's bad timing for the Nets to go in mm-hmm. with that, me personally. Right. Uh, yeah. Until you have the Ben Simmons situation resolved, you move on from him. You get him back and see that he's capable of playing at a high level again, which that that's a huge if. We don't know that. Um, you know, I, I don't think that you can pair Lillard with Mikhail Bridges, really. I mean, we'd have to see who they're even giving up. I imagine the Nets would love to be able to hold him out of that conversation and try to just lean on the picks they have. It just kind of seems like a team that's a little bit too young 
to me uh, around Lillard. It's going to be a talented team, and uh, I think it would be exciting from the standpoint just to see Lillard in a new uniform in a big market, which we've never seen before for, from him. Uh, but I don't think that there. It, it seems like a little bit too early and a little bit too a little bit too early for the franchise for where they're at. Also, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a little bit kind of exhausted of just kind of dealing and being game. at the whim of superstars <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, particularly the conversation we had at the start of the podcast about whether Lillard is going to kind of be difficult about this if he's dealt somewhere he doesn't want to go. Uh, I think I would probably pass on this right now if I'm them. But again, they they clearly have the assets to at least be in the conversation and potentially make uh, Aaron Goodwin and, and, and potentially Damian Lillard pretty upset because they do have the assets to to certainly start a conversation and maybe end it uh, sure. if they really wanted to. I just think it's a little bit early in their life cycle and a little bit late in Dame's playing career to 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 try to mesh those two right now. Yeah, I feel the same way about Brooklyn as I do Utah. Teams that I think could unequivocally beat Miami's trade packages and teams that Joe Cronin should obviously be trying to do business with. But I just don't know if Dame is the right gamble for either of those teams at the stage of where they are team-building-wise. They all have guys who are in their uh, mid-early 20s. And again, just the tax concerns too. That's why I I just feel like I'm not here sitting here being like, this is a great Miami offer and Portland should pounce on it. I just do think there's there's just to me a little bit less less places that make sense for Lillard um than people I think have been kind of talking about his realistic options. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Thank you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Let's move on, though, to the other superstar who's kind of twisting in the wind at the moment. It it felt more imminent, imminent, imminent on the night of free agency when we saw all the tweets about James Harden saying that he's opting in and looking for a trade. I, I thought the Clippers made a lot of sense, and I, I thought maybe a deal would be getting done there quickly. Now we're hearing reports that the Sixers may be trying to convince Harden to come back, that Daryl Morey is willing to play this out like the Ben Simmons situation and wait into the season to trade James Harden if he needs to, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to say, I think Philly should get out of the James Harden business. Um, (laughs) I would take a deal that didn't have draft capital back. I don't know why they'd be expecting good picks with a guy on an expiring deal who just had the playoffs he had. I think you get packages from a team like the Clippers that would, A, keep you very competitive right now, B, maintain your cap flexibility moving forward but Mannix I'll I'll go to you like do you feel like the Sixers are just kind of wasting Embiid's time a little bit like shouldn't they get going on this or do you think that Maury can really put another rabbit out of his hat here by waiting on a Harden trade if people think Daryl Maury's not willing to bring James Harden back next year like they must have fallen asleep two years ago (laughs) when you know when Ben Simmons was texting his teammates saying, don't come to California, I don't want to be back there. And they went through that entire year, or at least half the year, with Simmons on the roster. Like, this is, you know, I give Daryl credit for this. He's willing to be uncomfortable in these types of situations. So I absolutely do believe that if the right offer doesn't materialize, James Harden will be on the Sixers uh, come training camp. Um, I... I <laughs> I think right now the offers are not very good. They don't include any young players. They don't include any serious draft capital. And, you know, even though James Harden is on the last year of his contract and you can't extend him if you're the team that acquires him, uh, the Sixers want that. If for no other reason than they want to take that draft capital, turn around and trade it to uh, another team, maybe for Lillard, maybe for somebody else to, to plus up the roster around Joel Embiid. And look, it would be... Uh, it wouldn't be ideal to bring James Harden back next year and play all next season with him there. But if you're Philadelphia, if you bring Harden back, you know you're going to get the best of Harden, who is, in the, in the interest of self-preservation, is going to play well, be, or is going to try to play well, because he wants to get that next contract. And if he's a malcontent, and if he shows up out of shape, and if he plays poorly, that next deal is going to be like the mid-level exception when he goes into to free agency at age 35. So... I think there's less danger in bringing him back with one year left on the deal than bringing Ben Simmons back with the entirety of his long-term contract left. Ben Simmons could wait that out. I mean, Ben Simmons had, uh, even though he was fined, you know, eventually, and who knows if he ever have to pay those fines, but Ben Simmons had the had the, the 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 contract to be able to wait that out. James Harden doesn't, so I think James Harden coming back, uh, you'd get the best out of him. Plus, like. <laughs> The worst case scenario for the Sixers is you bring them back, you play next season, and then in the summer of 2024, you see like $75 million come off your books in the form of James Harden and uh, Tob- Tobias Harris. And they didn't extend Tyrese Maxey because they didn't want to get that number on their books 
for the summer of 2024. So you would have the opportunity to you know, agree to a deal with Tyrese Maxey early in that offseason, but not sign it until you use your cap space, and then have Tyrese Maxey, have Joel Embiid, and whoever else, like whoever else becomes available either via trade or free agent signing. I, I don't think that's a, a, a terrible option for the 76ers right now. That's why I think there is a, a realistic chance we see James Harden with this team come September, October. What do you think, Aaron? Because I, I hear what Mannix is saying, and you know, I didn't think I thought I'll be, I thought Daryl Morey should have tried to trade Ben Simmons for Tyrese Halliburton or, or any other move that he made before it ended up, you know, the Harden trade worked out, and they unequivocally won that trade. I didn't think they should have waited, although they still haven't made it out of the second round. So, Aaron, I'll ask you: Do you think it's worth waiting? Because I, we can debate whether Joel Embiid should have won MVP, but you have the MVP on your team, unequi- like undoubtedly one of the best five players in the NBA at worst. I, I just, to me, it's like I don't want to play with fire a second time here and potentially waste another season of Embiid when he's this good. What do you think? Because I, I hear what Manix is saying, but to me, that seems like too big of a risk. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's it's obvious that. I, I remember just kind of complaining left and right on our podcast, off our podcast, to anyone I saw in the street that, man, the Sixers have an MVP-level talent, and they're sitting here with this Ben Simmons circus kind of off to the side. They were really good that season without Simmons even being there, with a, literally a zero um, you know, slotted in his spot while he was just there um, sidelined, basically, and the, the team frustrated with him and, and everything else. Um I think they still won close to 50 games that season, and that was not getting anything from that spot until they eventually make the trade. Um, so ideally, you don't want to really go into a situation with the possibility that you're going to have a disgruntled player there. I do buy into what Mannix is saying a lot here, though, that this is a little different. The stakes are pretty high here for James Harden, and... um as we've seen, <laughs> frankly, even from Kyrie uh, last season, after everything that happened with the you know the the Twitter and the idea of promoting or, or you know retweeting uh, a film that had anti-Semitic sentiments in it, uh, that whole thing played out. And once he came back from suspension, he was largely quiet and just doing his job. And, and and just being a player on the team, essentially saying like, okay, I can be on my best behavior for the next few months. Now, I think where it went wrong with him is that obviously he, he inquired about what his contract status was going to look like, and they didn't hit him with the answer he was hoping for, <laughs> and then he asked out. But my point is, I think people, generally speaking, when they have that big of a, you know, a dollar figure, a money sign hanging over their thought bubbles or whatever you want to call it... Um, that they can fall in line and that they can give their best effort or whatever their best effort is. I'd like to think James Harden would do that here. Um, I, I There's no way to ever know. He's becoming highly unpredictable too from asking out of Brooklyn right after getting there, essentially a year, a little bit more than a year after getting there um, to then wanting to go to Philly and, and you know everything else and now wanting out of Philly potentially. Um, even though they are a contender too, a flawed one, but a contender – I I think that I could probably ask him back um, and, and would want to have him back. But 
absolutely I'm knocking on every door there is about the Lillard situation first because that is a if you could get him and I think even if you had to give up Maxi to do it I still think that might be a better move here than um than having Harden come back as a question mark as someone that I don't think you're excited to have him back he's certainly not going to be excited to come back but um you know all those reasons I think Lillard is the best situation for them here but how does that look if if you go for it and it doesn't happen and Maxi comes back and you know he's been on the trade block how offended is he how does that wreck dynamics and and chemistry to some extent too all these things matter but um if you had indications that Maxi and some other stuff would be enough to get Lillard I think you probably should do that um the Harden thing is interesting to me the contract to your Harden narrative only because I could see him going for his numbers but that not necessarily being conducive to winning necessarily either Mannix, what do you think is what's like the dream within reason the dream Philly package for Harden like what it what is it who is it that they're looking for what is it that they're looking for you know what are they hoping to get back I mean, the dream Philly package is a deal with the Clippers that brings back Terrence Mann and the two first-round picks that the Clippers can deal. Uh, uh, that That's pie in the sky uh, because Harden's not what he used to be, and Harden has one year left on his contract. But that's an ideal situation. I think, you know, would the Clippers settle for a Marcus Morris-centric package with draft capital? Probably. Or, sorry, with the Sixers, I should say, settle for that. Uh, probably. Because I think the draft capital is more important. Uh, you know, Philadelphia is kind of tapped out of, of future first-round draft picks to trade as a result of of the Harden deal. Uh, you know, with Brooklyn. So I think getting getting those picks from the Clippers or anybody is got to be a priority. But it, it's going to be challenging. It really is because you know, you're you're not trading away two thousand and you know, 20 version or whatever version of James, even 2021 version of James Harden. It's just a different player on a different contract. Uh, and if you're the Clippers, you're smart to play hardball with the Sixers. You're mm-hmm. going to dare them for a while to see if they really have the appetite to bring James Harden back next season. If you're the Clippers, why would you make them your best possible offer for James Harden right now? Like, what is the market for Harden? Like, the Knicks, yeah. I, I've been told the Knicks aren't really all that interested. And and if they are, the Knicks are keeping their powder dry for guys like Giannis and, and you know, maybe Lillard or, yeah, it's just, and they're maybe, protecting yeah. MB. Like, yeah, they're protecting RJ Barrett and those draft picks for bigger fish. And beyond that, like, who else is acquiring James Harden? Like, you know, for months we heard about Houston and, and, and they showed absolutely no interest in, in acquiring James Harden via free agency. It's the Clippers are bust, and the Clippers know that. So, you know, why wouldn't you offer them just, you know, basically your poo-poo platter of expiring contracts and uh, maybe second-round draft capital if you want to throw that in there? But yeah, you're you're just you're not too many times this offseason we've seen teams bidding against themselves. Like mm-hmm. I think the Mavericks did that with Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the the, the Blazers are, are looking at. You know, Miami. You know, with with what they're going to bid. I, I just think that the Clippers need to keep it a low ball offer as long as humanly possible and just see if how serious the Sixers are about bringing uh, James Harden back. Yeah, I think I would do the exact same thing. And if Philly wants to do another awkward year with Embiid in his prime, I just, if they have the appetite for that, I think if you're the Clippers, you say, congratulations, that's imp- impressive <laughs> resolve. But 
Um, <laughs> I just you sometimes you just got to tip your cap with the stubbornness. Like I, I think that would be an insane route for Philly to take. Um, when you have why Embiid why playing. like but you I just think it's like, Embiid, if, Embiid is too good to be wasting his time like that. Okay, okay. So so let let's say you do a Clipper deal, which gets you Marcus Morris and Nick Batum. Just throwing that out there as two two possibilities. Like, does that what does that do for you? Does that make you a better team next year? Like Joel Embiid at least showed he can thrive in chaos. Like the year that that Simmons sat out, Embiid was runner up for MVP, and if not for injuries, he probably would have been the MVP that year. So like Embiid is fine in these situations. In fact, I think he's one of the best leaders in these situations because if you remember when that Simmons stuff was going down, like yeah. Embiid was front and center every single day, like talking to the media about it, not ducking any questions. He's really good at that. And I think Nick Nurse, who dealt with his own craziness with Kawhi mm-hmm. for uh, for that year, he's shown he can thrive in those situations. I just don't think it's as, it's as complicated. I think more... And this is where Daryl and I, this is where I respect Daryl. Daryl and I have been on the opposite side of things a lot over the years, and his constant chirping at members of the media from Boston is consistently <laughs> I love it. I bothered love it. me. But Daryl, guys like Daryl and Danny Ainge and Pat Riley, guys that just have the stomach for for doing what they think is right for their team, regardless of how uncomfortable it makes people, I think that's the that that's the way you run your team. So Chris, uh, I, think I, I think I think holding Rose on to point, him is, is the best way to go. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there at all. Um, I think Rose point, and I don't want to completely speak for you, but I, I know this is how I'm feeling, and I get the impression it's how you feel too. It's not even necessarily how Embiid handles it. I just think it's more a question of his health. And I think if, you know, one year here, one year there is fine, but that's what this becomes now effectively is two years where you, at least the better part of two years it would be that you would have a disgruntled point guard, point forward, however you want to phrase it, uh, that either is off the roster, on the roster, with the team, not with the team, but you're kind of playing with fire from that standpoint of these were this was the better part of two seasons of your MVP player's prime that you kind of toyed with while knowing that his injury history isn't the greatest. Uh, he, he has, I think, the mentality to deal with it, although you don't want to take that for granted either. I just think that even with anyone, Lillard included, by the way, that you you don't want to take for granted that physically that it's something that they can take on. Um, if Harden does go out there and is numbers focused, but not not doing what's best for the team, or if Harden goes out there and kind of surprises us all and and isn't viewing this as enough of a a carrot or a motivation or an incentive. Uh, I again, I would err on the side of bringing him back if I had to. Uh, if it comes to that, you know, there are worse things than having a guy that probably should have been an all star last year back on your roster this year. A guy that, you know, you almost got out of the second round with, in part because of how well he played at times during the series. But, uh, but I do understand where Rose coming from if that's kind of what he was the mm-hmm. face he was making. I think it was definitely, yeah. I just, I, ticking time bomb is way too strong of a connotation and not what I want to say, but. I just don't want to take continue to take chances with Joel Embiid, even though I'm with you, Chris. I think the way he handled it was exemplary, and he's done a great job there. But you also risk him being like, I'm sick of this, and I don't want to stay here anymore at some point because I have what, to keep what? dealing does, with does, this. Does, does, does getting Marcus Morris and Nick Batum Listen, like, if make I him got, feel better? If I got Norm Powell and Nick Batum, I trust Norm Powell more in a Game 7. I'll say it. Norm Powell was balling against the Suns. I would take Norm Powell and Nick Batum and some... 
variation of those guys because I think they'd actually be really good, and I put the ball in Maxie's hands more, and I think I have a, a more balanced team, maybe even a better two-way team if I make a trade like that. Okay, all right. Uh, that's that's you're, This is like NBA trade machine stuff that you're doing. I, and Chris just I, hung up the phone with yeah, you as the other GM on the side listen, of that call. Listen, <laughs> oh. Oh, I, all I ever know is when the Sixers needed Harden to step up at the end of that game six or in that game seven, he was nowhere to be seen. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There's more to get to. This, I think this might be the, like, in terms of value and need and fit, this might be my favorite signing of the summer so far. And that's the Dallas Mavericks getting Grant Williams on a four-year, $53 million contract in a sign-and-trade with the Boston Celtics. I mean, he brings big game experience. Uh, He's a shooter, which you need around Luka and Kyrie, someone who can space the floor and spot up from the corners or above the arc, or above the break, I should say. And he can guard multiple positions. They want to go small. They want to play him big. I mean, he's really just the exact kind of player they need, exact kind of player they need to stack around Kyrie and Luka. Uh, What have you guys made of the Mavs summer so far? Because I think they took some heat for trading for Kyrie in the first place and obviously re-signing him. 
you know, they're not able to sign with Tybel. The Blazers are going to match that offer. They could go after someone like Kelly Oubre. Luca missing the playoffs as good as he is is to me a pretty big red flag. So, what have you guys made of the Mavs have done so far this summer? Do you think they're, they've made the right moves to get back into the playoffs? I, I mean, I think they've done okay. I, I think that I, they they took one gamble that I really liked, but you know, we'll we'll all figure out how that goes uh-huh. when we see if Dante Exum. Yes, I like Dante. Is Exum. actually himself. I, I think it was a gamble. I, I, well, hold you, on, I was the biggest Dante Exum fan coming out of <laughs> the draft. That was like five years ago. Like that was that was a long exactly time. Exactly my point. No, no, no. Exactly my point. So that's why I, I'm starting with him because I think it's. It's a gamble that may or may not pay off. I think it's one that a team like Dallas absolutely should make because you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, in part because you put yourself there, going all the way back to Jalen Brunson, bringing in Kyrie to try to to fix that mistake, feeling the need to kind of over really give too much in, in, in the form of a player option in year three. So, you know, that's something that I don't like about their summer at all. I think it was too much. I think that they didn't have to go there. Again, Chris mentioned earlier, who were they bidding against, so to speak, uh, with Kyrie? So the Exum move, I, I think, is something that you don't have that much money to play with. You have to do something. Um, I think it's a gamble that, you know, all of us liked Exum, I feel like. He's been injured repeatedly. You hope it works out for them. If it does, you get a plus defender. Um, Grant Williams, on the other hand, I, I feel like is a solid player that all of us, I mean, maybe we're not puzzled exactly why he was a lesser part of the Boston rotation. He wouldn't have been in my ideal world. I thought that he was more useful than he got credit for. Um, but as Chris has said repeatedly on this podcast, Joe Missoula wants everybody willing and able to to take threes in, in, in that offense. Um, it's one of the first things Joe Missoula points to after every press conference is whether the team got up enough threes or not. He, you know, I would say as much as some of the nerdiest people I know on Twitter um, is quick to point out when they lose that our threes just didn't go down or we didn't have a good night from outside. So, you know, how does Grant Williams fit within a team, within a context, within an offense that plays like that? Uh, if he's not willing to shoot as much as he should or as much as Joe Mazzulla wants him to, then maybe he's not quite as valuable as we thought, uh, at least to that team. I thought he had more value to them or should in light of them getting rid of Marcus Smart. But as Rohan brought up, there's the second tax apron. Um, and you know that was a situation where it's looked like, at least on the surface, that the Celtics don't want to really go there. Um, at least not for this. So I guess I understand it from that standpoint, but if I'm the Mavs, I'm really happy about it. Do I think it totally changes the trajectory of the team? No. Um, I think that they still have made some moves that were very offense-focused too. They uh, went out and got Seth Curry, who's a guy that maybe they shouldn't have let go in the first place. Uh, Gives them more shooting. We understand that part of it. But you know, I I think the team is a little bit better out than where they started. Um, But... The Exum move, I feel like, is a, is a swing move for them. If he can give them something, uh, then this team has much more of an upside, I think, than than they otherwise would have. I think they entered the offseason needing two things. They needed a rim protector, and they needed a perimeter defender. They didn't get either of those things. Mm. So uh, I have a hard time calling this an overwhelmingly successful offseason for Dallas. They get Kyrie Irving back, and we can quibble over the money, but they had to do it. They had to get him back in the fold, so... Now he's there, and and look, anyone I've talked to in Dallas, and I've said this here before, has said that 
know, Kyrie was great last year. Like in terms of a locker room guy, he wasn't a distraction. Um, we'll see if that continues, you know, over the duration of this contract, but you know, they needed to get him back. Um, Grant Williams is an excellent signing. You need catch-and-shoot players opposite Kyrie and Luka Doncic. And Grant Williams is an excellent catch-and-shoot player. He's been playing off of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for the last few years. Now he plays off of Kyrie and Luka. And, like, I've written this, and I'll repeat it again here. Like, Grant Williams, first half of last season, shot 41.5% from three-point range. That was over 58 games, so not a small sample size before the All-Star break. The second half he tailed off... um, and I do think part of that was because Grant Williams, who is a a thinking player, you know, he's he's he thinks a lot. He's a very very he's a very smart guy. Obviously, he's the VP of the Players Union, um, but he's a thinking man's player out there. And I think free agency, all the pressure that came with it, a new contract thing, some of that crept into his head. And after a while, it became kind of the rock rolling down the mountain with the you know him hesitating on three point shots, Joe Missoula pulling him out because of that. I think having the security of this four year deal. At a number that Grant Williams wanted, this is right around what he was looking for in in negotiations last fall. Um, I think having that that security is is going to make Grant a more relaxed player out there and a better player because of it. But they still don't have that big. Like, who is the starting center right now? Is it Dwight Powell? Is it Maxi Kleber? Uh, are we reviving Javale McGee? Like, what hmm. what is what is happening down there? Who's the wing defender? Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a wing defender. No, he's just not. He's you know Matisse Tybel was the guy they were trying to bring in, and they did everything they could to to poison pill that contract. But you know the Blazers, not surprisingly, frankly, you know said all right, well, eleven million bucks a year for Matisse Tybel is not an absurd overpay, so we're going to give him that money. Uh, so I think they're where they're they're maybe a little bit better than where they were last season, where they're a heavy offensive team with some real defensive holes, and we'll see if Jason Kidd can plug them with some of the guys he has there. I mean, a full season of Maxi Kleber is is going to be useful. Uh, Grant Williams is a versatile defender, plays multiple positions, and can do that pretty well. But when you have two guys on the perimeter that are below average, that's what Luka and Kyrie are. They're below average defenders. And they're getting beat on the regular. And you have nobody that inspires fear in, in, in penetrators in, in getting... Uh, in terms of shot blocking, that's a problem. If you don't have somebody that can defend the Kevin Durant's and LeBron James's and you know the Michael Porter Juniors and go down the list of of great wing players in the Western Conference, that's a problem. So where I pencil the Mavericks in right now, fully healthy, I'd still say they're a play-in team at the moment, and that's crazy. Like I like if I'm Dallas, you know, Clint Capella is a guy I would want. Like that's someone mm-hmm. I'd be eyeballing you know Atlanta's making some changes down there if I can get my hands on Clint Capella you know they've been focused on DeAndre Ayton how about you take the offer you're going to make for Ayton and and turn it to to Clint Capella I mean Clint Capella and Luka Doncic yeah that's a good pairing that that, Mm -hmm. that's a good combination in pick and roll like the number of lobs Capella could catch off him like that's the kind of deal I think that could turn Capella or turn Doncic into an MVP like because of you know the numbers are going to skyrocket he'll play well and Capella is that shot blocker on the back end that'll protect them defensively. So if I'm Dallas, you know, I, I, if, if the Suns are not talking Aiton anymore, even if they are, I'm taking that package of assets that I was looking to deal for DeAndre Aiton, and I'm turning to Atlanta, and I'm saying, well, will this get it done here for Capella? Can we make a deal happen? Because Capella 
Capella, to me, is the kind of player that could push that team from a 7-8 team to a 4-5 team pretty quickly. That's interesting. Uh, I'm maybe a little higher on the Mavs offseason than you guys. I do agree they still need help on the wing. I mentioned I think Oubre could help them there. Not that he's a perfect player, but he's very serviceable. I like the idea of going out and getting like someone like Capella. Maybe Derek Lively gives them something as a rookie. Who knows? I, I can't sit here and say that we know exactly how he's going to turn out, but I thought that was at least a very sensible pick for them. I want to ask I think real quickly. that they're going to be oh, – I, I think that subtracting Christian Wood from the defensive mm. rotation, like it was weird that – you know, even fans and, and bloggers that I really respect down there were saying they were kind of confused about the fact that Jason Kidd wasn't leaning in more to Christian Wood because it was a team where nobody could defend mm-hmm. last year. And so it's like, well, if nobody defends and we're going to make it known that we're basically playing track meets and, you know, um, we're just trying to outscore everybody, why not use maybe our best scoring big, basically? A guy that, you know, every time he gets the ball, he's a threat to score. Um, but he wasn't good on defense. Like, it, on a team of guys that nobody defends, like, he was one of the worst guys, I think, from that standpoint. So pulling him out of their rotation, while it leaves a little bit more to be desired scoring-wise from other guys, I feel like it will help them defensively to not have him there. But I fully agree with Chris, too, that you still need someone that inspires fear. Uh, or that, that engenders fear in your heart, uh, you know, defensively. And they just haven't had that, you know, as much credit as Maxi Kleber and everybody else has gotten over the years for, for all the stuff they do. Um, he's not an ideal rim protector and they've kind of relied a lot, whether it was him or Bertans or, um, you know, Porzingis, I guess was more of a rim protection sort of player, but they haven't really had that guy for a while, a, a really, really great one. Uh, maybe going back to Tyson Chandler at this point. I, I forgot that Christian Wood was still out there at free agency. He hasn't yeah. signed anywhere, right? I think yeah, that correct. <laughs> yeah, but by the way, shout out to our friend Kevin O'Connor over at the Ringer. I remember two years ago was telling me that Christian Wood was going to be an impact player for Dallas. I was insisting that he was not for the very reason you, that you, you articulated you are, there, Herring. You were early I, on the Christian Wood and let me see it on a good team. Let trade. me see it on a good team. Yeah, like yeah. those numbers you're putting up in Detroit mm-hmm. and in Houston, like let me see it on on a good team, and uh, he had some chances with Dallas last year. Uh, I know his agent and him were looking for, you know, kind of that fifty-five million over four type contract. That's not going to happen, you know, for Christian Wood. He's probably going to wind up on some kind of minimum or biannual exception contract uh, somewhere. And that's because you can't rely on him defensively. You you just can't. And if you're a six-eleven, seven-footer who you know, is is unreliable defensively. I don't care how many points you're putting up. You're not going to impact winning. It's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it is probably for them, you know, addition by subtraction. You've got plenty of offense at Dallas. Like, you're going to score points regardless of Christian Wood. Um, but you need some kind of defensive players to to succeed. And, you know, if, if a Kyrie Luka headline team can't do better than, like, the seven seed in the West next year, that's a problem. That's a big problem yeah. for Dallas, and it's all roster construction at the moment. Uh, Mannix is the opposite of the Shaq meme. He's like, I don't owe you an apology. I was familiar with I your game. I do not owe you. I was, <laughs> yeah. yes, I was familiar, familiar with, with your game. Yeah. Chris, um, Christian Wood has been such a polarizing guy for yeah. me for years because I remember <laughs> going back to the draft, and like I heard some things about him then, and you know, just like the the desire to be great defensively, or like just mm-hmm. the, the effort on that end. It's you know, it's, it's yeah. just bad. 
It's a bummer, too. If he too, had that, how yeah. good would the guy right, be? Because he's mean, a talented he player. player, yeah. Oh, he can shoot threes. He can do a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. But I am look, this is not, not to pivot it back, but like, like this is why Porzingis bothers me a little bit. Like, not not the same player, of course. Porzingis had successful years in New York. Um, it was traded from Dallas in part because of the contract. They wanted to break that up. But, you know, I, I got all these Boston people in my, my Twitter mentions about you know, like Grant Williams overrated. You know, what are you saying? Grant Williams stinks. We got Porzingis <laughs> now. All right. Well, Porzingis had a breakout year last year when he played 65 games, which is the first time he's played over 60 since his second year in the league. Um, shot 38% from three. and But he did it on a crappy Wizards team, and he mm-hmm. did it in a contract year. So, like, I mean, do it on a winning team. Like, do it with with winners. Like, maybe Porzingis will prove me wrong. And, and look, I, I'm much more bullish on his chances of doing it than I was on Christian Wood, but I mean, come on, don't don't tell me that Kristaps Porzingis on Boston is going to duplicate the numbers that Porzingis put up with Washington. I, I do not believe that to be the case. I do not believe that's going to happen. So, well, the, I'm numbers on bad teams. I, I'm always, always, always going to be wary about. Well, I'm glad you brought up Boston because that's the flip side of this Grant Williams thing. And I want to ask real quick, Herring. I'll start with you. Is Boston better or worse? right now than they were at the end of last season because they've effectively sent out Marcus Smart and Grant Williams from last year's rotation and replaced that with Chris Tabs Porzingis. I, if I were them, I know the second apron is scary. I have a hard time letting Grant Williams walk on a number that I think is very reasonable. What do you think, Herring? Is this team better or worse than, the, than they were where they ended last season? <sighs> I'll say this. I think they're worse, but that is me not assuming, but it's me kind of to some extent expecting that they're going to have injury issues. Mm-hmm. Um, man, they get thin after a while. If, if, if Derek, like God help them if Derek White gets hurt is the way I would put it from the standpoint of like their defensive stuff. We kind of expect Robert Williams to get hurt, so maybe it's helpful to have Chris Stapps Porzingis, but Chris just told you it's rare for him to be available all the time. Uh, you know, last year was a high water mark for him in a lot of ways from an availability standpoint. So when I look at it from that lens of they've got three centers, one guy is extremely consistent, but he's pretty old at this point. The other two are guys that are in and out of the lineup most years. They just lost two of their better I don't know if you'd call Grant Williams a wing defender because obviously he can play power forward as well, but someone that is pretty versatile defensively, that in a pinch, he could play five for you if you need him to, uh, if you play small ball and can shoot from the outside, can allow you to maintain your offense because you can still space the floor with them. Um, and that is all without even mentioning a guy that is, you know, in some ways the the backbone of your team, the guy that actually will chirp in other guys' ears, uh, when he sees something that doesn't make sense to him, when he sees something he doesn't like about effort, is going to give you his best effort all the time. And granted, he's not someone that stays healthy all the time either. Um, but even if he's not healthy, you you at least know he's there mentoring, he's there talking, he's there chewing guys out when they need to hear that. Um, which I tend to think Joe Mazzulla needs people uh, in uniform doing that, given that his personality is a lot different than Ime Udoka. So I, I I wouldn't be 
surprised at all if I just end up being wrong about it because maybe they're healthy. All it takes is one year where you get lightning in a bottle. Everybody's healthy and you win a championship maybe. But uh, if, if they have injuries with some of these guys that they just brought in, um, they were letting guy, go of some guys that have been pretty durable and have certainly been good for that program, for that system. So I, I, I think they're a little bit worse off. It might not be by much. But uh, you know, also if they don't win a championship uh, in the next year or two, I, I, I think people will probably look at this and be like, should they have made these moves? Should they have allowed these guys to leave? Mannix, where do you stand on their summer so far? I think they got worse. Um, mm. I say that with the caveat that I don't know that their summer's over. Like It feels like they're up to something Good point. with all these movable contracts and all these draft picks, particularly the second-round capital they've been stockpiling. So, you know, we, we put the asterisk attached to this conversation with that. But if this is the team they go to training camp with, they're not as good as what they were last year um you know on paper are they better up front with Porzingis over Grant Williams sure but you have three guys in your front court that you can almost bet are going to miss a chunk of time every one of them uh Robert Williams for injury issues Al Horford's 37 Porzingis because he has not played more than 60 games since that second season so and behind them they've still got the same depth you've still got Luke Cornett uh You've got some young guys that, you know, unre- you know, unreliable. You know, again, Boston fans who love jumping in my mentions are like, we got Jordan Hardy now. Okay, <laughs> well, like, I mean, <laughs> second-round picks, 90% of the time, maybe more, do not contribute right away. And like 75% of the time, don't contribute at all. So I- I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath that Jordan Hardy is going to be their, uh, their savior at, at that, that spot. Uh, the backcourt, too. You know, the Celtics are, are you know, telegraphing that Malcolm Brogdon's just going to rest. He's going to be fine going into the season. But Malcolm Brogdon's injury was so significant that the point guard-starved Clippers were like, nah, we're good. We're, we're good. Like, that, <laughs> that's a team that doesn't care about money, you know, particularly yeah. when it comes to Brogdon's contract, and, and is all about winning now. And, and Brogdon coming off a year where he won sixth man, and the Clippers are going <laughs> to say no? That tells me that injury is significant. And... I don't know. I've heard some rumblings. Nothing, you know. I, I can I can share in reporting wise that, you know, there's we're wa- keeping an eye on that, keeping an eye on that Malcolm Brogdon injury, uh, and how that's treated over the next couple of months. So if Brogdon is forced to miss some time, which by the way he's done for almost the entirety of his career, you know, he's yeah. You know, last season the number of games he played was an outlier for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, if he's forced out, you're talking about Derek White. Peyton Pritchard, who I think is pretty good, but didn't really play last year. Right. And Sam Hauser, who played a lot early on, but then became unplayable in the second half of the season in the playoffs. They've got a starting lineup that is you know, maybe better than the one they had last season, but their depth is just you know, toilet paper thin. It just is. They, they don't have the kind of reserves that they had last season. And you're going to have to count on these guys at some point. I mean, Al Horford... Alvarez's money go, goes down significantly this year because he signed that new contract that's going to make get him pay him like what ten million per year. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is you're going to see Al Horford play like forty to forty five games because they're going to want to save him for the postseason. You're not going to want to burn him out. So I think you know back to backs are done. Uh, you know the, the few three and four nights are over. Uh, they're going to rest him a lot more this year than they did in previous years, and you know that's going to cost them. I think in the regular season, and if they're not at one hundred percent 
in the playoffs, I think they're going to have problems against some of the deeper teams out there. Yeah, that is interesting to me. Um, yeah, it's a team that I think weirdly could have a lower floor but higher ceiling at the same time if everyone is healthy. Derek White's minutes go up. Porzingis is the player he was last season. Then they look like geniuses, but I'm with you. The depth is is paper, paper thin. That, I think, is going to do it for today's episode. Before we go, I just want to mention, while we were recording, we got a mild bit of news, and that is that Sir Foster, the renowned organist for the Atlanta Hawks, retiring, stepping down after six what? years. On the, I know, I know. He's a legend. Absolute Yo. legend. Yeah, what a bummer. Elite past you, favorite. How do you, Rohan, bring up the organist of the Hawks and, and you don't lead with Wembanyama versus Spears? Like, how is that? Like, I figured you would lead with Victor going up against Brady Spears. <laughs> like, I thought that would... <laughs> I was convinced that would be the first. <laughs> I am like I, I'm scrolling through Twitter and it's I like am, I, I see statements from Brittany uh, on there about an interaction with the Spurs <laughs> and Webanyama. Like the oh, clip man. of Webanyama being asked about Britney Spears by Spurs beat writers was amazing. That woman, like his that first woman. day, yeah, <laughs> his first day of summer league, uh, you know, practice, and he's getting asked about Britney freaking Spears. Like <laughs> wild, absolutely wild. I also thought you would bring up you know the brandon miller panic meter are, are we are we are we in on what's the brandon miller panic meter right now after two lousy games in sacramento for the the hornets summer league team like that summer league stuff man like let's go let's get into summer league next week i'm i'm glad you're wondering why i didn't bring those up manix and it's because i could not care less about nba summer league it is a, a, a joke when I see people breaking film down of summer league games. I just want to say, go outside. There's a whole world out there. I uh, love summer <laughs> league. I love summer I, we, league. You, I bet you love the Vegas summer league, Mannix. Um, and I'm going to say you were not as frequent as a participant as Orlando summer league. Uh, I, uh, well, I, I go where all the teams are. In Orlando <laughs> okay. summer league, they weren't always there. I went to Salt Lake summer league a couple of years ago. All I right. love summer league. Okay, okay. Mannix loves Summer League. Um, I think it's a complete waste of time. Shout out to Sir Foster, though. That time you played uh, the organ version of Nevada by Young Boy. I was that was art to me, and it doesn't get much better. Because oh, yeah, that's that. that's way more interesting than Wembenyama and Brandon Miller in Summer League. You're right. You, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> um, on that note, that will do it for today's episode. We will talk to everyone next week. Until then, continue to enjoy the NBA offseason. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 